Hello, hello, my name is Jordan, and this year I thought I'd try something new for all the listeners out there. You probably have no clue what I'm talking about, but all you folks on YouTube, you know, hello, you see me. Um, I am recording for the first time while recording the podcast, well, recording on video for the first time, I should say. Um, yeah, this is so weird. I feel like I have to look at y'all, look at the script, I'm gonna record, you know, do all that jazz and y'all can see me. That's so weird. Okay, 2022, we're making big changes. Happy New Year, by the way. All right, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about the trans experience and mental health because I know a lot of trans people struggle with their mental health for justifiable reasons, which I will talk a little bit more about in this episode. To be specific, we're going to talk about transphobia, which of course we have to cover that um, as part of the trans experience. Um, Of course, it has a very, very big effect on trans individuals. Um, And we're just going to be talking a little bit more about society's unacceptance when it comes to trans people. And then later on, we'll be delving a little bit into self-identification or in other words, labels and how that can affect, I guess, the trans experience. There's also a train going on in the background and I really hope you guys can't hear it. But if you can, yikes. Uh, It's also raining outside, which is very peaceful. But to get back on track, get back on track. We're also going to be talking about internalized transphobia because, you know, experiencing that sort of unaccepting atmosphere from society, whether you have close friends that are accepting of you or not, it can be very harmful and even cause feelings of self-hatred, aka internalized transphobia. But of course, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that later on. So then lastly, we're going to be closing out this episode just talking a little bit about dysphoria and how to navigate that. What even is it? If you guys aren't well aware of trans issues, I will get into that and I will try to explain it the best that I can because it can be very confusing. Um, Dysphoria can be confusing for trans people and I'm sure it's a million more times confusing for people who are cis. Cisgender is basically somebody who identifies with their assigned sex at birth. So the opposite of transgender. I'm going to be throwing out terms like that this whole episode, but don't worry, I will take it slow and I will try to explain them the best that I can. And you can see I'm a very expressive person. Like usually when I'm recording these episodes by myself, I can freely just move my hands whenever you want and you guys couldn't see me before, but now you can. So now you get to see all of my fidgets, all of my uh, over-expressive facials, expressions um, and my hand movements you know the whole thing all right so of course you guys know or you don't know if you're a new listener but of course for my old listeners you guys know that we start every episode off with a rose thorn bud uh, for my new listeners, if you don't know what a rose thorn bud is, a rose is a highlight, success, small win, or something positive that happened today or within the last week. And a thorn is a challenge you experienced or something you could use more support with. And lastly, a bud are some new ideas that have blossomed or something you're looking forward to knowing more about or experiencing. So we're going to switch it up a little bit because I have to get this off my chest, my thorn 
has definitely been, unfortunately, getting COVID. And I'm so aggravated about that because I've always been the person that's like, wear your mask, get vaccinated, be safe, you know, don't do dumb stuff. But I got COVID, so it's been a really hard thing to deal with, honestly. Um, I am vaccinated, I do wear my mask all the time, I try to be safe, but unfortunately a lot of people have been getting COVID even if they are vaccinated or not. But yeah, it's just been really, really rough, honestly. I felt like absolute crap, <laughs> but um, thankfully it did not get worse. I do have asthma, so that was a huge, huge concern for me. But thankfully, of course, I am well and I'm almost off of quarantine in two days, so, and I'm feeling like a ton more better than before. So I guess that's my rose. Um, I'm feeling better and I'm ready to get back in action and <laughs> I'm ready to just conquer the world especially since it's 2022 i'm so hyped for 2022 um i'm trying not to get my hopes up too much like i'm not um i'm not gonna stick to a lot of new year's resolutions because when i stick to new year resolutions i'm just more disappointed if i don't follow through with them so i'm kind of just like it's a new year i'm gonna try to set some goals but if i don't to get done with all the things that I want to do that is okay because I have plenty of more life to live and I always have next year so yeah I'm not about that new year new me I'm the same me I'm just trying to get a fresh start and you know keeping my head held high I guess that's the sort of outlook I'm going for um as far as a bud though as I said 2022 I have a bunch a bunch of ideas um, I'm actually trying to start my own business outside of Forever Blooming and just selling gift baskets and writing poems or like custom made poems and custom made portraits and I'm really excited to just put my passion for writing and art and just genuinely making people happy with gift baskets. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really looking forward to it. If I don't follow through with that, do not mark me on my words, but I am going to try my best. I think it would be really fun. Um, yeah, so that being said, I think we can go ahead and get on with the episode. Of course, we're going to have to start with transphobia and society's general unacceptance. But before we get started, I do want to give a disclaimer that all the research used in this episode is based on United States statistics, so it might be higher or it might be lower depending on where you're from. And yeah, just keep that in mind. So I also want to give a second disclaimer slash trigger warning. In this topic, we are going to be talking about physical or sexual assault. It's not going to be in graphic detail. It's just going to be a brief mention, but I do want to let you guys know that we will be mentioning that. Yeah, so let's get on with it. Just so you guys know, transphobia is just the fear, hatred, disbelief, or mistrust of people who are transgender, and I'm pretty sure many of you know that. Or that can be people who you think are transgender or just those who genuinely express their gender differently and doesn't conform to traditional gender roles. Still pretty sure you guys knew that, but I <laughs> just wanted to get it clear. And I also want to say that there are just like 
different versions and variations of transphobia. It can be very blatant transphobia or it can be just like really casual, which you can see with a lot of, of, a lot of things. Like you can say that there's very blanted racism and there's very casual racism, which is you can see much more of casual racism rather than blatant racism, but you know, that's a whole different topic. Um, yeah, so just some examples of blatant transphobia. Oh yeah, trigger warning for death. Um, I'm really glad I just thought of that on the spot. Um, yeah, as far as blatant transphobia goes, you can see a lot of transphobia when it comes to just like the general killing of uh, trans women or just trans individuals in general but it's mainly trans women mainly trans women of color to be specific in 2021 last year which is so weird to say um, it was actually the deadliest year for transgender people and you didn't see a lot of that covered in the media well, if you stay up to LGBTQ news like me, because I am passionate about uh, LGBTQ rights, you know that there has been so many individuals that have passed away throughout 20, 2021. In fact, it on record, on record, just to be clear, we don't know how many people have really, you know, passed away due to blatant transphobia but on record 45 people died and if you want to say that's not a lot you really just have to think about how much of a minority trans people are and after considering that you can also have to even narrow that down even more knowing that it was mainly towards black and latinx people or other people of color of course so that being said it's a very small group but at the same time 45 lives were lost just because they could not change who they are they can't change being transgender and somebody thought that was just the most horrible awful disgusting thing enough for them to want to kill them and i will i will never understand that how do you have so much hatred in you how do you have so much like uh, bigoted thinking or bigoted thoughts to which you think that it's okay to kill someone just because of how they identify just because of who they are at that point but you know i i i could go on a rant about that for as long as possible but i won't so another example of blatant transphobia are just some social disparities. I know, um, especially as a trans person, there are a lot of sort of, there's a lot of outcomes that come from being trans when you're facing somebody who is transphobic, especially when they are in a higher position, they can cause a lot of difficulty for you. Just for example, just because I, I'm horrible at explaining things, um, there can be just a lot of di discrimination in the public place in regards to just standard human benefits that you should have. That can be housing. I know some people aren't able to get an apartment or aren't able to get a house because of just the way they identify and just the lack of access to healthcare. I know a lot of trans people who need 
that sort of medical care are rejected because of who they are. And that also can just be discrimination at the workplace, at school, in public, and you know, bathrooms, which everybody should know by now that the bathroom and trans people debate. You know, we just want to pee. <laughs> that's that's all it is at the end of the day we just want to go to the bathroom and live in peace you know it doesn't even have to be like this 10 to 20 minute things it's literally just two to three minutes pee and go or poop and go but you know and apparently it's this big old problem but just just let trans people pee that's all just let's just let us use the bathroom <laughs> but um yeah, as far as legal stuff, there are also a lot of social disparities. Um, well, I guess that should be legal disparities, but um, many, 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 many anti-trans bills have been passed across the United States. And of course, I'm not sure of the legal stuff as far as just outside of the United States and the rest of the world, which I'm sure that in mo or in some places it's way, way worse. But as of 2021, there were so many anti-trans bills that were passed just to target trans youth specifically and their access to sports or even outside of trans, trans youth because I know that there's this like stigma against trans women within sports and there's also a lot of debunking on that but I'm not really going to get too into that. Yeah, there has also just been a lot of... Uh, anti-trans bills in regards to gender affirming care as well and if you don't know what gender affirming care means it's kind of just like hormones and medically transitioning if that person chooses to do so so yeah that there is a lot of disparities that comes along with living in your truth living as your true self and of course we know another example of blatant transphobia we know that um well i'm not sure if this well I would say blatant, yeah. Um, referring to the person as their wrong pronouns, the wrong name, the wrong gender, etc. And it, it, I just never understood what's so hard about trying to use the new correct pronouns. It's, it's just a word. <laughs> it's just, it's literally just a word. Um, it's like, I know that it can be hard to adjust to new pronouns and it's completely okay if you mess up but just correct yourself afterwards but the people who just insist on using wrong name pronouns gender it's not that hard <laughs> it's kind of just like the n-word for example people insist on saying the n-word when it's really not hard to not say it so of course, when you do refer to the person with the wrong name, pronouns, or the gender, it can obviously cause immense distress and just feelings of being stigmatized. And I believe it was 32% of people believe that being misgender is being stigmatized, which is in itself like self-explanatory. Yes, you are being stigmatized, you are being discriminated against, and that sort of distress can cause a lot of negative emotions, cause a lot of negative thought processes, which of course we will get to later in the video. 
And of course, we have the bullying, assault, and use of derogatory language towards trans people, which is another example of blatant transphobia. I know that in school especially, I'm not sure what living as an adult is like and being trans, but I know that a lot of people within school, high schools, middle schools, I'm not sure about elementary school, but have experienced a lot of discrimination just for identifying as who they are. And of course, you know, there is that sort of phenomenon when it comes to coming out as transgender. There's those people that of course will physically assault you, but there's also the onset of people who would like to sexually assault you as well. There's a lot of people who just have this weird, awful fetish towards trans people. And the only reason why I say it's awful, we, we don't fetish shame in this house unless you're just really into trans people for some reason. I think it's just the fact of seeing trans people's objects, seeing us as a sexual fantasy is never okay. We are human beings with human emotions and thoughts and we should never just be thought of simply as our own identity or thought of as attractive because of our own identity. And it of course is something we cannot change and it especially is worse when the person fetishizes, always have difficulty saying that word, <laughs> somebody because of their status and um, some people don't medically transition just because they prefer it that way or other people do medically transition but when you have the parts <laughs> that don't align with your identity and some people use that as a mechanism to just like become aroused like I, ugh, I don't like ugh. it just makes me disgusted I I'm sorry that's never okay and you know that can of course lead to a lot of unwanted sexual contact and we did not ask for that just because of who we are that's never okay you shouldn't use us as your own sexual fantasy you can also see a lot of blatant transphobia when it comes to just spreading misinformation around trans people, which of course is the sort of root of that uh, phenomenon as far as just transphobia goes. There's always a lot of ignorance when it comes to bias, when it comes to, well, not ignorance when it comes to bias per se, but ignorance when it comes to just discrimination because a lot of people are racist because that's just the way they were taught or they have heard a lot of misinformation that has caused them to form these point of views and not trying to educate themselves about that group of people that you are discriminating against. So, of course, a lot of transphobia stems from the spread of misinformation and that sort of misinformation can be like the thing about trans people in bathrooms and how that can be predatory predatorial is that a word <laughs> i actually don't know well we can just say that people think that trans people in bathrooms are a danger to children or they are a danger to the like for example if a trans woman went into the woman's bathroom then it's a danger to women for example um there's also that misinformation about just being trans is made up 
you're faking it, you're confused, or being trans is a third gender per se, which is not true. Also the um, myth about trans people regretting medically transitioning if they choose to do so, which is not for majority of trans people. I believe it's just one, two, I, I say I believe, but it's literally written down here. In fact, only one to two percent of people do regret medically transitioning, but at the same time, that does not mean the person isn't trans. That just means that medically transitioning isn't it for them. Or it could just be a cisgender person who thought they were trans, but realized they weren't, and then, you know, detransitioned. But that sort of small percentage is not a good thing to sort of uh, generalize for the all trans people as a whole. All trans people are not going to regret medically transitioning. So, yeah. And of course there is the casual transphobia, which this first one in, on the list is something that I've seen many, many, many times um, on social media, just talking to people in real life. I know that a lot of people are just like disgusted or just pity someone when they are dating a trans person as if we are like this sort of disease. Um, and then there are just those people who are fake accepting and I hate this phenomenon because just admit you're being a little transphobic not even a little bit you're being transphobic period there are people who are just like oh yeah you can identify whatever you want to I am totally fine with trans people but I'm not going to use your new name or I'm not going to use your new pronouns or why would you do this I'm totally accepting but that does not mean I need to refer to you as such because you're making it up and things like that, you know, acting accepting when they're really not. Or trying to just like soften the blow as far as transphobia goes, trying to make them seem like a good person. Um, but really, they, well, I'm not gonna say transphobe are not good people, but sort of having those harmful beliefs uh, and but trying to reject the idea that you are being transphobic, you know? Also just saying trans people have a mental disorder, like, oh yeah, I support trans people, but they're just confused and they're in the phase or things like that. Um, also there's just a bunch of people that make up stereotypes in regards to trans people. You know, there was this like meme going around for so long that um, there's just like, I believe a trans woman was on the video and she was like, it's ma'am, you know, just like, I guess, correcting people on her pronouns, but being a little too aggressive in my opinion, but a lot of people just took that and ran and were like, oh yeah, all trans people are just gonna be really aggressive. Why are you getting so offended? Why are you being such a snowflake? In quotation marks for all my listeners. Ugh, I hate that, I hate that. That's such a weak insult, but that's besides the point. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people just ran with that and just assume that all trans people are just these easily sensitive people who easily get offended if you don't use the right name or pronouns and, you know, making up these stereotypes and making fun of trans people. And of course there are the people who I can't really blame too much. There's the people who just 
do not understand it to the fullest extent and that's totally fine you're not going to come out the womb just knowing all about trans people um, even if you are trans yourself you're not going to come out the room like oh yeah i know all of this stuff i can understand if somebody does not understand like trans issues in general and just not knowing about trans identities how does that work i guess why are people doing this etc etc you know just genuine misunderstandings and that's completely okay it's just important to make that step to educate yourself and acknowledge that you might have certain biases and acknowledge that it's going to be confusing at first but <laughs> taking the courage to educate yourself is what's most important but sometimes people just take that misunderstanding and never do anything with it taking the step to educate yourself is the best route but some people also just don't understand and will make up their own conclusions make up stereotypes as i said and listen to this misinformation that is inherently harmful and that sort of person can be very harmful as far as transphobia goes because they can you know turn into somebody with very harmful beliefs and just stick to it just to stick to it like they don't want to learn about new identities they don't want to learn about anything they just st are stuck in ignorance i guess and those are the people i don't like but you know <laughs> and of course the impact of transphobia is just feeling unsafe feeling in a danger dangerous environment uh, especially when it comes to just being assaulted like sexual and physical assault um and just feeling like you don't belong feeling like you are a freak feeling like you will never be welcome here you it can even regret your own identity which can lead to a lot of self-hatred and just not feeling very good about yourself and your identity which i have a lot of experience with but of course we're going to talk about that later that lack of acceptance of yourself and that sort of um, social difficulty when it comes to either coming out or just having those sort of social disparities, those legal disparities, and just a lot of difficulty just because you're trying to live your truth. Living in that sort of society can also just be very, very harmful to trans youth like myself. It's very scary. I know that I'm not really getting the blunt of it because I am young because i am still looking like you know i'm not gonna say that because that causes a lot of <laughs> discomfort but you guys know what i'm insinuating um and it kind of creates this sort of fear of when i come out to everybody when i live in my truth when i look like what i want to look like when i actually become an adult in this world and have to fend for myself and I don't really have a lot of people to protect me like my mother does. It's, it's difficult and you also just have to deal with all of that struggle from society and you also have to deal with internal struggles as well and as far as just like navigating your own identity, figuring out what works for you, finding out who you are it's it's difficult i can say it's difficult as many times to 
just get my point across, but it's, it's very scary. It's like, it leads to that thought of what's gonna happen in my future? Am I still gonna live in a world where nobody's gonna accept me? Especially if you are considering medically transitioning in the future, you start worrying about what's going to happen when you grow up, essentially. And as I mentioned before, 77% of trans individuals face discrimination if they were out in kindergarten to 12th grade, which, of course, that sort of bullying and uh, discrimination can be very harmful, especially to your process of growing up because you know of course you, you gotta figure out how to live in a society with transphobia how to figure out who you are and your internal struggles plus you gotta figure out with just like how being a teenager is like there's just a lot <laughs> it's a lot and it can be very scary especially with that threat of being bullied or being discriminated against if you are out in schools yeah it's it's scary i can't i can't say anything else that thoughts or those thoughts have always always entered my mind just thinking about being who i am that's as simple as that and i know i don't get the full blunt of it because i am not out to a lot of people that are close to me you know, I am out to the internet though, hey. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's easy to say, well, at least for me, it is, it is easy to say on camera to people on the internet, like, hello, I am non-binary, I go by they, he pronouns, etc. But when it comes to just in person and knowing the people I know, knowing people I know that are transphobic actually it's it's very scary and that's the reality of it and it's hard to accept especially just growing up and trying to figure out everything so yeah it's all I really have to say about that but if you guys want to learn more about just transphobia or just the trans experience in general you can definitely go to the websites of a lot of national organizations and these organizations can include the National Center of Transgender or for Transgender Equality, the Human Rights Campaign, which I absolutely love that organization. I actually have a sticker around here, but I love the Human Rights Campaign. You can also check out ACLU and you can also check out GLSEN, which I am actually a part of the National Student Council for GLSEN this year, so that's nice. But, um, or you can lastly check out GLAD just to read up on transgender issues. And I know that I'm not going to cover every single transgender issue in this episode, so please take that step to educate yourself more about it. Alright, so we're going to move on to self-identification and internalized transphobia. So as far as self-identification goes, as I explained, we are going to talk a little bit about labels. So labels are very complicated and very hard to navigate, especially since there are so many. That could be just trans identities as well as just sexual orientations or everything like that. There are a ton of labels. Yeah, but you might not know that there is cis people and there is trans people and that it. 
that's it. Um, but that's not true. There are many different labels for many different people that just shapes their own experiences. And you might be one of those people who say, oh, they're, they're just making things up. There's a dog gender now. No, no, that's not how that works. That's not how that works at all. Please do not bring the energy over here. So, um, yeah, there are labels and there's a lot of labels and they're very difficult to navigate. If you do want to know specifically what sort of labels there are, then you can research that on your own. But as of right now, we're just going to be talking um, about labels in general. We're not going to go into specifics. Of course, doing research will be very good for you and your knowledge if you do not know about these issues in general or already. Um, so self-discovery can be a very, very, very daunting thing. It can be very, uh, what's the word? Yeah, just daunting. I'm going to leave it at that. Self-discovery can be very daunting. You can feel completely and utterly lost as if you do not know anything about yourself, as if you are overwhelmed by all the labels that are provided for you. You can feel a lot of pressure at that just to find yourself. It can come with a lot of processes as far as just like experimentation goes. I know for me personally, I went by a different name, I went by different pronouns. Not really, but kinda. Actually, yeah, I'm gonna talk a little bit about my sort of experimentation phase because it was a mess. Um, I originally did not go by the name Jordan. Of course, I just stuck with my dead name and if you do not know what a dead name is it's basically the name that a person or transgender person was known as before they started going by a new name that fits them or suits them more um, suits their identity and themselves more yeah I used to go by my dead name I used to um, watch all these transgender videos and was like huh I really I really relate to this but yeah, I'm totally cis, <laughs> which, no, um, when I got past that sort of denial phase, I sort of started to think that I was non-binary, which was a very uh, good step forward, but I didn't really want to let go of my, you know, perceived identity, my perceived sex. I don't like saying it, because, no. Um, and I thought I was gender fluid and if you do not know what gender fluid is it's just somebody who uh, fluctuates as far as gender goes so I'm gonna simplify this but that's not really the in-depth definition somebody who just fluctuates between genders so I thought that I fluctuated between male female and other um, and just in between um, and I thought that I was perfectly fine with any pronouns, but that's not true. Uh, no, I'm never going to be okay with she, her, and that's the end of it. Then I started thinking that I was just faking being non-binary, and there was a lot of stigma around non-binary identities, and I thought that I was a trans guy, which, no thank you, no, I'm not. <laughs> I started thinking that I could go by he, him pronouns, and. Of course, eventually, oh, I, I did go by Joy for a while. That was the name that I was known as for a while, um, about two years. But then eventually I found out that, oh yeah, and I did figure out that I preferred the 
pronouns they them which hasn't changed um but also ended up adding another one they he um later on and also chose to go by a new name jordan and that was the brief history of me so <laughs> yeah it was just a very long and complicated process there was a lot of self-hatred there was a lot of uncertainty and just this feeling of being overwhelmed and it was so exhaust exhausting at times but really you just have to find what's right for you and that can only be done through you know experimentation and of course there's just a bunch of information that comes with uh, learning about your identity learning what's right for you that sort of information overload can just be very 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 daunting <laughs> that's the only word that I can uh, describe it as it can just be very overwhelming knowing that there is a lot more to it than you expected because I know I'm sure that people are just like or some people just want to be like oh yeah I'm trans cool that's nice. I'm gonna go by this and this and this and I know everything, but that's not how it goes. You have to find out what's right for you and that doesn't mean names, that doesn't mean just pronouns, that doesn't mean just your gender. There's, there's many other factors to it, such as just like coming out or what clothes feel right or am I really sure these are the right? This is the right name for me. Is this the right pronouns for me? Is, is this really what I want to identify as and of course that sort of figuring out what's next figuring out how to navigate society as a trans person and just feeling comfortable within your own label I did not accept my own label for a while and I'm still learning to accept it as a matter of fact but yeah there is a lot of pressure that can come from having your own label once you do eventually figure out like what is good for you as far as just labels go, you have to think, okay, what's next? I know this thing now, what do I do? <laughs> and that can that in itself can create a lot of pressure. Because you often see like these stories on YouTube, of course I watched a lot of trans or videos about trans issues. Um, you see these medically transition videos, like I love watching medical transition videos because you know there's the um, the videos that are just compli compilations that are like my voice one month on trans or testosterone trans testosterone what that's testosterone and there's like two months three months on testosterone and you can see like the voice drop you can see the facial feature chance it's, it's amazing it gives me a lot of joy but um yeah, you see videos about transitioning, you see videos about gender identity, you figure out, uh, you see other videos about trans fashion, just a lot that comes with the label as far as just the tr as well as just the trans community in general. There are a lot of aspects within the transgender community and you have to fit into the community and just okay, there's a lot. <laughs> what do I do now? So, yeah, there's a lot of pressure that comes with a label. And of course, just facing those existing stereotypes and facing transphobia and even going through that process of shaming yourself and your identity due to the transphobia, which I have a lot of experience with. I did mention this in our last LGBTQ um, episode. I shamed myself a lot for labeling myself as non-binary. I thought that 
was a freak. I thought that I didn't even deserve to, you know, exist, I guess. And I didn't deserve to just live out who, as who I wanted to be because I was making things up or I was just being something that general society doesn't want me to be. And it's difficult. <laughs> it's a process. I wish I could snap my fingers and just be okay with living as I am, but it's a hard thing to accept. Not gonna cry. <laughs> I'm, I had to choose the video that was emotional because <laughs> this is a really sore spot for me because I did shame myself for a long, long time. Like I've, I've existed as a non-binary person since middle school, since seventh grade maybe. But even so, I am graduated now or about to graduate in January and I'm just now coming to terms with it. And you can see that sort of vast difference. All right, my camera completely just blacked out there, but we are back. <laughs> For the listeners, we never went anywhere, but <laughs> as far as YouTube goes, yeah, we're back. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go too much more in detail about that because I, I just don't have any more to say about that. It is very common in transgender people to shame yourself and want to just conceal your identity, try to live as what you're perceived as and not who you truly are or just not coming out to anybody and be consistently misgendered. It, it's a complicated sort of process and it's a complicated thing to come to terms with. Um, you can even deny who you are. As I said, conceal your identity, but also just think, oh, I must be faking it. As I said, or, oh, I can't be trans because insert reason. Like for example, with me, I thought I can't be trans because I like feminine clothing, not gonna lie. I prefer to dress masculine because just of, you know, society and what it perceives as male and female. But I do like dressing in feminine clothing and that, that in itself is something that's hard for me to accept actually. But like I said, I said, I told myself, I can't be trans because I like feminine clothing and I like certain feminine things so I of course can't be trans at all which is not good <laughs> to say the least it's it's not logical it's not plausible it's not I try to figure out a word to rhyme with that but you know um, <laughs> just because you like certain things doesn't make you any less trans and that especially is um, when it comes to just femininity and masculinity and all those made-up concepts by society but you know um, yeah there's also just a lot of internalized stigma when it comes to having to navigate society and its transphobia with knowing what it comes with and knowing that if I identify this way there is again all that pressure and all those negative things there's also just transphobia within the LGBTQ community, which will never make sense to me at all. <laughs> how are you, how is there transphobia within the same, we're in the same community, we're all struggling. But um, 
Yeah, there's a lot of stigma against non-binary identities within the community and outside the community. There's a lot of older generation LGBT folks who have a lot of stigma towards transgender people in general, including non-binary identities. There's a lot of people, or um, yeah, there's a lot of older uh, LGBTQ members who have just been like, yeah, back in my day, there was either straight or gay. Now you have all these identities and you know, all that crap. Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, we're gonna go ahead and move on to topic three, which of course is going to be navigating dysphoria, which is going to be a big, amazing sarcasm intended topic because I, I don't know, I might get emotional. <laughs> I might get emotional because dysphoria is a very complex topic. It's a very hard thing to deal with. And of course I can explain for those of you who don't know what dysphoria is, but of course we're going to give a trigger warning. Um, we are going to be talking a little bit about dis the discussion of suicidal ideation um, because those are the sort of feelings that can stem from dysphoria. So if you don't know, dysphoria is the distress and discomfort often present in individuals whose gender identity differs from their sex assigned at birth, which can be resolved once an individual begins to live as their true selves. And if you don't know what sex assigned at birth is, it's kind of what's like kind of in the title. <laughs> so sex assigned at birth is basically just male or female or, you know, intersex and, you know, all the other sort of things that are on the gender spectrum because it is a spectrum and it's not a straight line but often we use sex assigned at birth to refer to somebody who was born male or female and gender is entirely different uh, gender is what you identify as sex is what you were born as so sex assigned at birth that well y'all obviously know what my sex assigned at birth would be and my gender identity is non-binary and yeah all right, so just wanted to get that off the bat just in case um, y'all don't know. <laughs> so there are different types of dis gender dysphoria and I will be getting into my sort of experience with gender dysphoria as a non-binary individual and it is different for everybody. So just wanna let y'all know this is my own experience that I'll be speaking about and I cannot sort of talk about other people's experiences because again, it's different for everybody. So the three different types of gender dysphoria is body, mind, and social dysphoria. <clears throat> body dysphoria is kind of like the discomfort with somebody's body because it doesn't match with how they identify. And then you also have social dysphoria, which is sort of just like the discomfort you experience when somebody perceives you as something you're not. Um, so any sort of social interaction where you are perceived as again something you're not um and we also lastly have mind dysphoria which is basically just relating to someone's own thoughts this is all internal while social is external and also body is external this one is sort of all internal and that's sort of talking about like how you refer to yourself in your head Sometimes it can be referred to like misgendering yourself in your own head because that is also a phenomenon that happens when you're newly discovering yourself. Or it can also mean just your mannerisms, how you think about your mannerisms and perception 
like in the perception of society so like for example in the united states we have women who are supposed to be like you know all domestic and sweet and friendly so like and polite i guess you can also just perceive your actions as if you're being polite or you're acting like a woman and that's not something you identify as or if you are somebody who is a trans woman for example you probably just think about how you're acting angry like stereotypical males do so then you start of getting start getting that mind dysphoria you know so yeah um so some people also have all three which sucks but um, and but there's also people who just have uh one or two so somebody could have body dysphoria but not really have the uh social dysphoria aspect you know the vibes <laughs> so um yeah this is gonna be a very sensitive topic for me because you know it's a very hard thing to deal with on a daily basis i do deal with this on a daily basis it can be as simple as just like choosing an outfit to wear for the day or again how i interact with people so just to go into it a little bit further i do have all three types of gender dysphoria unfortunately um and the sort of things that i deal with personally is my body i am for a lack of better words very uh plump <laughs> when it comes to the bottom reason and when i think about that i sort of experience this sort of overwhelming discomfort because you know a lot of people talk to me about my body and how i have a very good body for i don't like saying for females basically have a very good curvy body so a lot of people bring that up to me and it's like they're complimenting me but it's not really something that i want because then i'm going to be associated as a female as something i'm not so and i just get really uncomfortable and you know i i don't like my voice that much i really wish it was deeper you know more masculine sounding and just uh everything that i people see me as externally and relate those features to being a female that's when i get really really uncomfortable and experience that onset of dysphoria and when i say uncomfortable i'm putting that very very lightly because you know uncomfortable is one thing everybody gets uncomfortable but when it comes to dysphoria it's like very very like um it's very mind-bending it's very like torturous because you can't really do anything in the moment if you are a trans youth like myself it kind of feels like you just want to like in a very graphic way it's like you want to just scratch away all of the things that don't fit it feels like you're kind of trapped inside your body like you want to do everything in your power to get rid of the things that you were born with but you can't in that moment so you start feeling like you just want to peel your skin and just like just not want to be in this that body um it's kind of like your own little prison i always describe it as just like you're trapped again and you can't really again do anything about it so that's really the worst part you kind of just have to sit in it unless you are somebody with the money if you are of age because I don't believe a lot of 
things can be done for minors. I know there's puberty blockers, but you know. But um, yeah, you kind of just have to sit in it. So it's like you're stuck and you're just stuck in this for majority of the day, maybe for a couple hours, maybe for a couple minutes, 30 minutes at that. But sometimes it's just so strong that you just want to escape. And that's also where the suicidal ideation comes in because you start thinking, oh, I don't want to be in this body anymore, so it would be better if I was just gone, you know? And it's like, um, again, it's a very hard topic for me, <laughs> but um, you just get, I don't know, you just get stuck. But yeah, mannerisms is also another thing because I'm a very like outgoing, friendly person. I'm a very polite person. I would say so, um, unless you're on my bad side, of course. <laughs> and you know, when I get excited, I squeal and you know, do all these sort of things that are perceived as feminine. And then I sort of get this onset again of dysphoria. Like I should act differently because that's not how I want to be perceived. And I hate the way that I act because that's again, how everybody recognizes me as a female. And it's, again, it's not really something you can help. I don't know why I said again, but it's not something you can help because, again, this is just me. This is my personality. I am going to be polite. I'm going to, you know, act the way that I am. I'm not gonna change how I am just because I'm being perceived as something I'm not. But that's also the worst part because you feel stuck, like you wanna change your whole personality. And also just the con the constraints of the concept of uh, masculinity and femininity is something we transgender people get very, very stuck in. As I said before, I do like feminine clothing, but every time that I wear feminine clothing, of course I'm going to be perceived as more feminine, more female-like, and that's just sort of hard to navigate because you want to be comfortable and you want to wear what you want to wear but you also have this sort of onset of dysphoria that tells you you're going to be perceived as something you're not and that's never an, a good feeling so even if you feel liberated in that those clothing you're still going to feel just awful about it because that's how you're going to perceive if you wear that outfit so I've been stuck in moments just wearing a black hoodie or black sweatpants because I just don't want to be perceived as something I'm not even if I can't really help that and of course I'm I'm not I'm in no way blaming like the general public of course you see what you see and you're going to perceive what you see of course but just having that sort of inability to dress the way you want to on certain days and instead wear a hoodie especially for me with like body dysphoria I wear a lot of hoodies when I like can't stand the side of my chest like when I just want to you know get rid of my chest um, I wear hoodies and I wear like baggy clothing just so I don't have to see my body and just so other people can't really see my body as well um, or if I'm having a lot of mind dysphoria I don't speak to people I close myself off just because I don't want to be perceived societally as what a female should be 
in quotation marks. I don't like that sentence. I hated that sentence coming out. <laughs> but um, it's kind of just like, at the end of the day, you feel like a freak, pretty much. And like, why do I have to go through this? And the, most of the population doesn't have to go through this. They can wear what they want. They can talk or act like they want and not feel like not right about it not feel just completely disgusted by it just uncomfortable to the point of again wanting to just be gone and not be perceived at all I guess and it's just the way that society has sort of formed to be like gender-based and if I could I would just like abolish gender and <laughs> everything and everything about it and just have people do what they want to do but <laughs> yeah um I can't really do that so you know I try to do my best and you know that comes with even though it comes with a lot of emotional challenges like stemming from dysphoria like the discomfort the dissociation at times like for me dissociation is a big part I try to well I'm going to say sometimes I try to, other times it's just like an ad automatic um, reaction to my thoughts and emotions. Dissociating so that I can feel like I'm not present in my own body, feel like I'm not present like in society, I guess, in the world, I'm not present in this moment. It is a sort of coping mechanism for me because it makes things not as hard because I feel like everything isn't real I guess and I'm like out of body that sort of out of body experience if you don't know what dissociation is like I might sound crazy but you might <laughs> want to research more about that but um yeah it can it can also be very dangerous because sometimes I find myself dissociating at school or dissociating at work whoa I said dissociating at school and I'm not even in school anymore that's crazy uh well you know that, that's crazy but um, yeah I and at times like that when I really need to focus and be present like at work and I find myself drifting off and like I'm not really here all the way then it can be very hard especially when your employer thinks that you're slacking off but not you're just dissociating from a lot of dysphoria and negative emotions but you know dysphoria can also just in, or dysphoria can also be um, in the form of sadness in the form of isolation anxiety you know all of these strong uh, emotions and you know I can't say that every living day is just like a horrible painful existence because there are moments like today where I feel very very comfortable in, in what I'm wearing very comfortable in my identity just you know vibing but then <laughs> there's other days that are just like oh my god everything I do will make me look like a female and this sucks and I don't want to be here and you know all of these hard thoughts to get through and just feeling stuck. Being stuck is the worst feeling ever, by the way. Um, it's like if you know how to solve your anger or your sadness or your anxiety, it's cool. You can solve it in 5, 10, 15, 20, you know, minutes. But then you have dysphoria where it's like, what can you do? You can't do anything but sit in those feelings and feel awful. You can't really do anything so it's a hard thing to deal with and that's why um dissociation can be something that people go to like myself but yeah it varies on different days and 
thankfully I feel good today and I, I can say safely say that I feel very comfortable in my own identity right now, which is nice, but every day is not like that. So as far as just handling dysphoria goes, it's hard. <laughs> as I said, you can feel very, very stuck, like you can't do anything, but I'm going to try my best to give some sort of tips about handling dysphoria. These sort of tips have helped me in the past to an extent. A lot of the time it's, it's kind of about distraction and getting out of your own head about like how you'll be perceived or how you feel or like I'm not trans enough, I'm not, I wish I was female, I wish, you know, all that jazz. You can still try to alleviate those feelings by either distracting yourself or trying to work through it through other means. Um, for me, at times, um, like friend support from friends has been very, very, very useful, um, especially if there are people you can relate to. I have had a couple non-binary friends and we have just been able to relate and it's just been like really nice because sometimes you think you're crazy, you think you're insane, you think you're a freak as I mentioned before and you have somebody you can relate to and they also get these feelings, you know that you are valid in your experience. Of course you should know that already but talking to someone who you can relate to is just very beneficial and you can even help each other by just saying, hey you look very masculine today, congratulations. <laughs> amazing or somebody says for myself I just am denying my identity or just like putting myself down for my identity you can have somebody just like hey you cannot change who you are and that's okay you are beautiful either way if you were um, non-binary not you are valid all of your experience are valid it's it's nice to have that sort of support on your side and again just that affirmation of your identity can just mean a lot and it can help with the dysphoria. Also finding out what is comfortable for you identity wise is just like essential. That is the only way you can really like get through it and of course if you're still figuring yourself out, if you're still experimenting, it's going to be a process. But as soon as you find out what is you're comfortable with, you can try to implement those sort of um, factors to feel comfortable. Um, and this can be through gender affirming clothing, and which is it's a very controversial thing for me to say, like gender affirming clothing, because if you think about it, clothes aren't inherently male or female, they're just you know, fabric, <laughs> but it sort of helps if you're dressing in something that society presumes as masculine or society presumes as feminine. Um, for example, again, I'm on the masculine spectrum, so like right now, having like these dull colors, I guess, like neutral colors, plain colors, like one and duns, I guess, um, just like, Wearing that sort of clothing that stereotypical males would wear makes me feel good. And you know, there's other things like my uh, chokers, my necklaces, and my rings, you know, um, even though those aren't like inherently male or masculine, they still make me feel comfortable. So it's nice. Um, so yeah, as far as just gender affirming clothing, you can definitely try and uh, 
figure out what's best for you, figure out what style is right for you. And plus, it's just really fun. I, I love fashion, which is something that also makes me uncomfortable because, you know, women are only supposed to love fashion or whatever society says. But, um, yeah, it can be good. It can make you feel good. It, make, it can make you feel confident and powerful. Um, clothing is powerful in a way. So please use that to your advantage. Of course, if you aren't out or if you are afraid that somebody is going to look at you different differently, that can be difficult. Uh, you don't have to wear this clothing out in public. You can even wear it just in your room when you know nobody's going to see you. And that could even be good. Even wearing it in public can be powerful for some people, but that's a huge step to take. Especially if a trans woman is trying to dress how she feels like makes her comfortable, then it can be very dangerous to walk out like that in public. Even if that makes you feel comfortable, it's, it's, it's really an awful thing. Like, that's another thing society needs to work on. You know, men can wear skirts. We love men in skirts. We stand. Okay, <laughs> so, um, and we love trans women dressing how they want to dress, making them feel uh, really comfortable. So yeah, also experimenting with names and pronouns is definitely a very good thing to like try to be comfortable and try to not have a lot of dysphoria. Uh, for me, finding a name was very, very liberating because I do not like my birth name as many trans people do, as many trans people say dead name because no, disgusting. <laughs> no offense to my mom <laughs> but um yeah uh experiment with different names if you want to if you want to experiment experiment with different pronouns that can make you feel comfortable go ahead and do it you don't have to come out yet you don't have to tell people about these names or pronouns but even if you have like a separate identity online as uh your preferred pronouns and your preferred um, names like if you have a main account where you're not out to everybody and that's what people have always known you as and you have a second account where you know you can just live as you want to be um, of course just block all your family and friends if you do not want to be out because that that would be awful um, <laughs> yeah so you can also just uh, think about like medically transitioning of course it is absolutely optional I for one do want to medically transition but I know that's not the experience that all trans people have um, you are not obligated to medically transition you can try to do things to make you think comfortable like your clothing or just makeup or things like that without actually having any sort of permanent changes especially if you're gender fluid for example because you know it fluctuates and um, you might not want to medically transition permanently but figuring out your thoughts on that how comfortable would you be with that um, you know take proper precautions of course it is a very big choice as I said it can be permanent so um, especially if you're doing bottom or top surgery um, I'm not going to explain what that is, but you can look it up if you don't know. Um, yeah, so yeah, just think about it and see if you're comfortable with it. If you're not comfortable with it, perfectly okay. If you are, that is something you can plan for in the future. And plus, it's expensive to medically transition, so you also have to consider that as well. 
But yeah, you can also just do the typical coping mechanisms, treat yourself, do self-care techniques. Like, uh, for example, I love, like, when I'm feeling a lot of dysphoria, I love just dressing in my hoodie and my sweatpants and, like, throwing on a scent. Throwing on a scent? Well, yeah, sometimes throw on a scent with, like, cologne. Um, but also just, like, lighting a candle. I love a nice little lemon scent. I love the smell of lavender, you know, throw on that scent, <laughs> light that scent with a candle, I don't know where I'm going with this, and I love to watch movies, and that can be like a good distraction from those sort of thoughts and feelings and emotions. Um, so yeah, just having like different self-care techniques, coping mechanisms, finding out what's right for you, and doesn't have to be centered around your identity it can just be simple things such as watching a movie or taking a shower or um, doing some self-care as far as just like the typical social media like I'm gonna draw a bubble bath or do a face mask you know it can be that if you prefer but yeah simply just taking care of yourself can definitely help especially if you're feeling just really intense emotions that you need to work through so yeah with that being said that was a pretty good episode in my opinion <laughs> and it was a pretty good first episode as far as just like camera things filming on the camera it's nice it's also kind of weird i like it though so i think we're gonna close out this episode if you don't know our website is gloompod.wixsite.com podcast where you can find out all about us you can find us on instagram twitter and facebook all at forever bloom pod or you can find us on tiktok at forever blooming podcast the research and transcript for this episode is on forever bloom website in the extra section or in the description down below um, our podcast guest form is in our episode section where if you want to be on Forever Blooming as well as our audience spotlight form where you can ask for advice to be featured in one of our episodes. Our email is management at Forever Bloom Pod. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and how we can improve the podcast because we love hearing from you. And be sure to check out fbpod.card.co, and that is card with two R's. And you can find all of our accessible links there. And make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share with your friends if you enjoyed this episode. And I believe on Spotify, you can also rate our podcast now. So please rate us. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, I would love to hear from you guys. And have a great day, afternoon, or night whenever you're listening to this. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>